The Word of God today is from 3 John. And uh, in this section, John commends a Christian friend of his, a church leader named Gaius. And uh, John talks about the work that they do together, the work that Gaius has done. Uh, he encourages and affirms this gospel work and the truth that, that Gaius is performing. And it gives us some great insight into uh, God's will and God's word for us as a church and how we work together for the truth. So Third John, beginning at verse 1. The elder, that's John, to my friend Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. It gave me great joy when some believers came and testified about your faithfulness to the truth, telling how you continue to walk in it. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Dear friend, you are faithful in what you are doing for the brothers and sisters, even though they are strangers to you. They have told the church about your love. Please send them on their way in a manner that honors God. It was for the sake of the name that they went out, receiving no help from the pagans. We ought, therefore, to show hospitality to such people so that we may work together for the truth. This is the word of the Lord. Well, it was performance review time for Steve at work. He was, uh, he was thrilled. Uh, it happened in his company like this. Uh, whenever the numbers were down and his supervisors were struggling and they wanted, to, they wanted to find what was wrong with the system, what was wrong with the company, why are the numbers down, they did performance reviews on all the employees. So John had, or, uh, Steve had to go into his boss's office and sit down for this performance review, and it was like they were hunting down the guilty. They were trying to find blame, right? Who's responsible for our numbers being down? And uh, so Steve went in, his boss said, all right, Steve, um, we have some issues with your performance, and uh, we're going to need to, to you know, put together a, a performance improvement plan, and uh, here are the areas. Number one, um, Someone in the company said that they heard you talking about the Super Bowl on company time. Uh, if, if we have everybody doing that, there's no way that we're going to be successful as a company. You can't talk about the Super Bowl on company time. And besides that, it sounded like you were, at least what this person said, that they heard this other person who heard you say that you were cheering for the Patriots. Steve, come on, don't you know that our distribution center is in Philadelphia? You can't we can't be seen as a company who's, who's cheering for the Patriots. And so if you're going to talk about the Super Bowl on company time, which you really shouldn't be doing, but if you do, then you should at least be cheering for the, for the Philadelphia Eagles and not for the New England Patriots. And, uh, and by the way, we, we also heard from uh, someone else at the company whose brother's mother-in-law's friend's cousin saw you having lunch the other day, and you were having lunch with one of our competitors. Steve, we, we don't do that. We don't have lunch with competitors, and, and you're probably talking about the Super Bowl at this lunch with your competitor. And so, Steve, uh, we're going to have to make this uh, performance improvement plan, and uh, what you're doing is hurting the company. Please stop. Ever had a performance review something like that, or maybe given one like that? 
It was time at Cindy's company for the quarterly check-in. She didn't meet with her supervisor, but as a matter of fact, there were a number of supervisors in the room, all of them with their own departments, and they met as a big group with the vice president. They met like clockwork once a quarter, no matter what the numbers for the company said. And so at this quarterly check-in, it was more so a time to check in with each other, to look at the numbers, to uh, make, some, make some adjustments, maybe like a, like a halftime uh, coach's speech where he's adjusting the strategy for the second half. It, it had that feel to it, like the vice president was the coach and, and he was uh, evaluating the, the first half and giving some improvements. Matter of fact, uh, a core value of the company is team. And so they didn't want to have one-on-one so much as they wanted the team to gather together and to engage in dialogue and discussion and conversation about what was happening at the company. And uh, that made Cindy feel very valued and very much a contributor to this team. And so during the session, uh, the vice president did mention, he says, now, uh, what's happening is that our sales are actually down, but our sales contacts are up. As a team, do you have any feedback on why that might be happening? And as a team, they discussed it, came up with some improvement ideas, they brainstormed ideas. At the end of this performance review, which is really a quarterly check-in, the vice president, instead of saying, you all are hurting the company, he said, keep up the good work. Which of these two performance reviews would you rather be in? I'd rather be in Cindy's shoes than in Steve's, wouldn't you? For two big reasons. Number one, Cindy's company values the importance of team. Did you get that flavor? They weren't, they weren't on a witch hunt looking for one particular individual who is the problem for everything going on at the company. Uh, they didn't try to be too individualistic about it, and they gathered together for the review as a bigger group and not just one-on-one. Secondly, Cindy's company has consistent, objective evaluation. Objective is the opposite of, hey, there's this guy who knows this gal who has this person who thinks that they have an opinion about something that you were maybe talking about Maybe you should change that. Isn't that frustrating? Well, what are the standards by which I am going to be evaluated as an employee? Tell me what they are. Let's make them objective for everyone, the same for everyone, and then we can make progress as we agree on team unity and team direction. That, this all embodies a verse in 3 John that I just read. And in that verse, it said that we work together for the truth. That's what this is, working together for the truth. Cindy experienced something that I believe is similar to what we're experiencing right now. Or actually, we could say Steve could be as well, depending on how we look at it. That we have this opportunity. It's amazing that these verses came up as the basis for the sermon today because as a church, we are experiencing what something that's important for a performance review. As a church, we need a halftime to step back and say, there's things happening in our church. Why? What are they? And how can we contribute to greater improvement? And is there anything wrong? And whose fault is it? 
what we want to do is we want to continue to work together for the truth and make the answer to that question more like Cindy's review and check-in and less like Steve's. Uh, but I got to tell you this, it's a, it's a time of testing for us as a church. And so I'm going to be talking through the verses of 3 John today, but really applying them to us as a congregation, as a church. Uh, if you're listening online and you don't belong to this church and you're not a member, or, or even our guests who are here today, uh, you're going to learn a lot about what's important to us as a church. And if you're listening from halfway across the world and you'll never step foot in, in this church, you might have contact with a church of your own or think about a church that you might attend. And I, I know this will be helpful for you as well as we listen to God's word and answer this question, how do we know we're doing good work? I mean, you drive by it every Sunday and I drive by it, that piece of property that's right there as we rent this building every Sunday and look at our church property right next door that was supposed to have a building on it in 2015. What happened and whose fault is it? Why is God allowing this? If we'd have a building row, we'd, we'd, we'd be exploding in church and ministry, and we'd have three pastors and not just one. And my name would be on the headlines of every church publication. That would be great. But no, it's not there, and here we are. If Jesus showed up for a performance review and stood right here on the stage with a flip chart to go through some key points that he wanted to cover, if he showed up for a performance review for our church right now in this environment, what would he say? I know what he would say. He'd say, keep up the good work. And he'd say that for four reasons, and they're all here in Third John. I want to cover these with you today. So, the first reason has to do with the soul. Raise your hand if you have a soul. Good. Everybody has one. Your soul is like your personality. It's part of you, and it never leaves. Unlike your personality, your soul, its status can change. Uh, your personality is what it is. You were born with it. Uh, but your soul, you, it, it stays with you. Your soul never dies. You have it into eternity. But the status of it can, can change a little bit. Um, very similar to, to our heart, when we use the word heart. It's the seat of our emotions, the seat of our will, our, our decision-making, and the seat of our spirituality, the seat of our beliefs. And so your soul is where you connect with God and you want your soul to be a healthy place. So we'd say your soul is your spiritual being. Now, because your soul can change status, your soul can be healthy, your soul can be sick. Your soul can be full, your soul can be empty. Your soul can be, uh, have clear direction spiritually, your soul can be confused. Different statuses. Jesus makes this point in Mark chapter 8. Jesus tells us how important the soul really is. He says, what good is it for a person to gain the whole world and forfeit the soul? Now, that forfeit the soul doesn't mean your soul disappears from your body. Forfeit the soul means you, you give up your soul being a place where Jesus dwells and where Jesus lives 
has the most influence, and you forfeit Jesus having that influence to other influences, personal pleasures, right? The world, anything in the world, personal pleasures, your own sins and temptations, uh, worldly possessions. Uh, I fill my soul up with that, and then, I, and then I forfeit Jesus in that soul. That's why in verse 2 of 3 John, says this, John says this to Gaius, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you even as your soul is getting along well. Jesus would tell us keep up the good work because we are concerned about souls being well. Let me ask you this. Can there be health care without a hospital? Can there be health care without a clinic? Sure there can. Health care exists outside of the buildings of a hospital or a clinic. Where? Well, you think of uh, doctors going on mission trips and, and helping people who need it. You think of Uh, Wellness education, as we educate uh, the average American family to take care of themselves, their health. Healthcare happens lots of places, not just in a defined building. So, soul care can happen without a church building. We've made a commitment to that, even though we don't own our own church building. We are committed to soul wellness, how? Our our, our Word of God ministry as a congregation has expanded and expanded and expanded as we have made efforts, especially online, to get the Word out to people who are out there, hundreds and thousands of people who are listening to the Word of God that we share. Uh, We've made our, our orientation process and our welcome process much more focused on the soul, on meeting Jesus in your soul. We even call it Jesus loves me and Jesus leads me as the first contact that we have with people to give them the the most important thing and to take care of their souls more than anything else. And on Sundays, we make every effort that, that we make it a spiritual event on Sunday morning where the Word of God is shared as in most excellence as possible in song, in sermon, in print, and create an environment where people walk in here and where they leave, they say, I I met Jesus today. Jesus loves me and he's my savior. And we've made excellent efforts for that to happen. So we prioritize soul wellness and then everything else goes well. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 2, it tells a story about Jesus. And Jesus is in a home and he's teaching in this home. And there's this paralyzed man whose friends want Jesus to heal the paralyzed man, and so they lower him through the roof, right? They, they break through the roof, and they lower this man. He, he almost lands on Jesus' lap. And the very first thing that Jesus says to this man, you remember? Your sin, take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. That was the best that Jesus could do for him. Even Jesus eventually healed him. But what was most important from Jesus for this man was that his sins are forgiven. When your sins are forgiven, everything else falls into place. 
You may have storms that, that arise. You, your house may be flooded. You may lose your job. Your health may go bad. But when Jesus is in your soul and in your heart and your sins are forgiven, everything else falls into place. That takes faith to see because our experience is going to convince us otherwise. So when Jesus is in the right place in your heart, everything else is in its proper place. Jesus knows that full well. And so instead of giving us everything that our sinful hearts might dream about, everything that our, our limited human understanding thinks that we need, but not being present in our soul, Jesus says to each of us, your sins are forgiven. I am present in your soul. And then the rest will take care of itself. The words uh, go well with you that I read in, in verse 2, it's very interesting in the Greek language, go well with you, actually means have a good trip or journey. Uh, and so the, the second thing that Jesus would say, good work, has to do with journeying. I'm going to read verses 3 and 4 of 3 John. John writes, it gave me great joy when some believers came and testified about your, that's Gaius, your faithfulness to the truth telling how you continue to walk in it. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. So walking in the truth is the second category where Jesus would say, keep up the good work. On another Sunday, remember we mentioned from, from John's epistles the dangers of running ahead instead of walking? Running ahead, we compared it to uh, taking your dog for a walk and they're off the leash and they run ahead and they go off the path and they get into some poison ivy or get bitten by a rattlesnake. Why? Because they don't stay on the path, they don't stay at your pace, and they run ahead. Uh, it's dangerous to run ahead at our own pace. So I know it's frustrating that we haven't gone as fast as we would have liked. Even as a church, we said, we want to have a building by 2015, and that was three years ago. Be careful of getting frustrated at the slow pace. It might feel like we're crawling but we're actually moving, we're actually walking, we're just not running. And not running is okay. Uh, there can actually be dangers to running. Uh, moms and dads say to little ones when they're at the pool and there's water on a slick cement surface, stop running. Why do they have to say that to the little ones? Because the little ones don't have the concept yet of sure footing and of the risk involved of slippery concrete. And so mom and dad, instead of stopping them and explaining the science of slippery feet on wet concrete, they just make it simple and say, no running or you're not going to the pool. Their concern is the, the safety and the well-being of their children. If God is involved in our slower pace than we would like, and he is, then we can be assured that he knows what we don't and that he is saying this pace is okay. You're walking, you're not running. Running could actually be a bigger problem than you think it is. And so we walk together in the truth. We're willing to walk. And when we do, God has our safety and well-being in mind. Think of all the walking that happened in the Bible. God asked the Israelites to walk around 40 years in the wilderness 
before going into the promised land. God asked the, the Israelites, instead of getting out their battering rams and their weapons to conquer the city of Jericho when they entered the promised land, how did they conquer the city of Jericho? They walked around it seven times. God asked Joseph and Mary to walk to Bethlehem, away from where they had Jesus' nursery all set up, ready for him to give birth to him. Very inconvenient for them to walk to a new place, to Bethlehem, to give birth to Jesus. All throughout Jesus' ministry, he, he walked. I guess he, he sailed some too, but he mostly walked. Uh, he walked on his way to the cross as he carried his own cross outside of Jerusalem to the hill of Golgotha to be crucified. He walked under that cross all the way to his death. And then after he rose from the dead, remember the Emmaus disciples? Jesus walked on the road with them and they said, we're not our hearts burning within us while he walked with us on the road. You see, all that walking there, there's a common theme to all of it. When we walk, we discover the truth. Truth that we might not know and believe and experience if we weren't walking. The Israelites learned things in the 40 years in the desert that they needed to take with them into the promised land in order to conquer it and live in it successfully, without which they wouldn't have conquered it and taken it successfully. Mary and Joseph learned things walking to Bethlehem, and eventually they had to walk to Egypt away from Jesus being killed and, and come Right, Mary and Joseph learned, the Emmaus disciples learned things about Jesus and his resurrection while they were walking. And so, when we are going at a pace that is slower than we would like, we need to stop and enjoy the moment and ask, what gifts is God giving me that I, that I need to have on this journey? Not just for the journey, but for the destination. Gifts that I wouldn't have if I just ran ahead to the destination. There are gifts waiting for us as we go at a slower pace and God is there. The goal, of course, as we walk, is not a certain pace and actually not a certain uh, human destination of a building, but the goal is love. We hear about that in verses 5 through 7. John writes, Dear friend, you are faithful in what you are doing for the brothers and sisters, even though they are strangers to you. They have told the church about your love. Please send them on their way in a manner that honors God. It was for the sake of the name that they went out, receiving no help from the pagans. Uh, so John talks about love in a couple different ways there. He talks about love, about being, being faithful. That word faithful means full of faith. He, he uses it's family words like brothers and sisters. And so that's a great comparison for, our, for the love that we have for each other in Jesus. That we love each other like a family loves each other. And a family is committed to each other. A family believes in each other. And so our, our faith is full of love as we're committed and loyal to our church family. John writes, to send them on their way. That can be a loving act to send someone on their way. Separation and, and sending people out doesn't, it may be difficult, but it can be full of love. Think about uh, a young mom sending her little three-year-old off to preschool for the first time. 
tears. Well, maybe, maybe a mom has more tears than a little one. Tears, heartbreaking. But why? Because she loves that little one and is scooting it on to mature and grow in life. Think about empty nesters whose kids move back in with them when they're 27 or 29 or 32 years old. And at some point, ask their, these growing adults who are living at home, it's time to leave the house now and establish yourself in your own independent living. That's not an act of hate. That's an act of love. Sending them on their way. So here we are. Holy Word as a church. And the Austin campus has sent us on our way here in Pflugerville. And now, historically, this could happen if there's a handoff where Holy Word hands us off to divine Savior, and sends us on our way. Like a 25-year-old living at home says, you can do it. You can go now and be your own church. And historically, at Holy Word, it, it will have never happened if this goes through, that Holy Word in all of its seven church starts has resourced one of its starts in a way that Holy Word has resourced us here in Pflugerville to make a strong, viable start as a church. That when John says, send them on their way, that's church work and that's love so that we can go and explore and be independent and impact more people. He mentions that there's no help from the pagans. Um, that's uh, okay. We, we don't expect that either. Uh, some, God blesses us with it sometimes. Um, the local government and local city officials can help us in ways that are good for us, but we may not receive help from those we are trying to reach, pagans, unbelievers, but we certainly seek to help them. Why? We love others because God loves others, God loves us, and we love God. There was a time for each of you here today when you weren't a church person, when you weren't even a believer in Jesus. Maybe for some of you it was just when you were a baby before you were baptized, but maybe for others of you it was longer in life. There was a time for each of you and me when you did not belong to God and you did not belong to the church and you, you were not a believer in Jesus how did you become a believer in Jesus? Because some believer, some probably a church person, loved God enough, believed that God loved you enough, and this person loved you enough directly to have you baptized, to, to share Jesus with you, to teach you in Sunday school, to invite you to church. There was a time when you were not a believer and not a church person, and now you are. So, so what do we do in return? We find people who don't believe in Jesus and we share the love of God with them. So we love what God loves. For the sake of the name, John writes, for the sake of God, we go out and we do outreach and we emphasize reaching those who don't have Jesus because God loves us and God loves them. Finally, the last statement that Jesus would use in a performance review and evaluation for us is in verse 8. John writes, We ought therefore to show hospitality to such people so that we may work together for the truth. 
Let's go back to our performance reviews. Work together is the value of team. For the truth is objective standards. That was Cindy's performance review. The positive one, the, the, the core value of team and objective standards. We have the same environment here in our church because of God's truth and God's love that Cindy had in her environment for her performance review, the positive one, the one where the company was going to be a success. Jesus sees us as a success because we value team and we have objective standards. And what are the standards? There's nothing stronger than God's truth. We go to the Bible and we say, here's what's most important for us as a church. When we spend our time in these things, when we value these things and we believe in them, when Jesus is number one, then there's nothing stronger than the truth. It binds us, it guides us, it inspires us, it gives us success more than any subjective human standards, including having a building, including bigger numbers. We let God worry about that, and we spend our time in His truth, and when He would evaluate us, Jesus would say, well done. Keep up the good work. Jesus Himself is truth. Jesus fulfilled all truth. Jesus knew the Old Testament scriptures and the prophecies. Jesus defended the true teachings of God against the false teachers of the day. And Jesus now hands the truth to us, truth that saves us and truth that is meant to be shared. In a recent survey about the divine Savior proposal, we asked you one question in that survey. We asked you multiple questions, but one of the questions was this. What do you think God is teaching us about our building project being delayed? The number one answer to that question, what is God teaching us? God is teaching us patience. But I have a question for you. Patience for what? Patience for a building? As in, hang in there, you're going to have a building soon because all cool churches have building. Because as if you're really a legitimate church, you'll have a building. So be patient, it's coming soon. If that's what we mean by God is teaching us patience, we are focused on the wrong thing. I hope what we mean is God is teaching us patience. Hang in there persevere, don't give up. For what? For good work. And that good work is this, soul wellness. We value every person because every person has a soul and they need to connect with Jesus. Walking in truth. It's okay that we're walking and we're not running, but we haven't stopped either. And we're walking, and at that pace, God can give us gifts that we can take on and carry in faith for the journey and beyond. The good work of loving others, because God loves us, and God loves others, and, and we love God. And the good work of working together like a team. 
God has blessed us with multiple gifts, varied gifts and blessings. We can work together as a team. There's a quarterback and a wide receiver and a safety and a cornerback, and we make a great team as God has put us together. And Jesus would look at us in all four areas and say, keep up the good work. Jesus would say, I love what you're doing. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep loving me and loving others. And that is good work. Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for these words. Our hearts need encouragement as we go about the work of the church, work that you have assigned us to do. And we have these expectations, we have these ideas in our own minds and hearts that things should go a certain way. And we even turn some of them into official church plans. We even vote on them and and say things like they're your will. But then things turn out otherwise. And and we we need encouragement, Jesus. We need you to tell us that we are doing good work, even though we might not see results or successes that we want to see. Help us to to look at what we're doing with the eyes of faith, trusting in your truth and seeing your word, uh, how powerful and full of promise it really is. Help us to, to see ourselves the way that you see us so that we can continue with the work at hand and know that you support it and that you will bless it as we hang in there and persevere. Thank you for this new opportunity we have to consider a handoff to divine Savior. Bless our due diligence as we have gone about researching that to see if it will indeed be good for what we see as good work at our church. Move us forward in a direction that will honor you and reach many people. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.